Let's go ahead and open our Bibles tonight to the book of Ezra. Ezra, and we'll, we'll, we'll go back uh, to chapter number 2 tonight. We, we were in chapter number uh, 1 on Sunday morning. And with the Lord's help, we'll look at Ezra chapter number 2. And um, I'm excited to, to share the Word of God with you tonight. I'm thankful for the opportunity. I'm, uh, I'm, I know that everyone is very anxious uh, for our pastor to get back and to, to hear hear what the Lord has been doing in his heart and mind, and I, I the same. Um, but until he gets here, I'm happy to have the opportunity to share the word with you uh, tonight. And so we're going we're gonna to look at Ezra chapter number 2. And uh, many, many of you will remember, we looked, as I said, at Ezra chapter 1 uh, on, on, on Sunday morning, and, and we looked at the life of King Cyrus and this, this individual uh, heathen conqueror who the Lord had used in a mighty way. And uh, we, we remember that uh, the Lord had raised him up according to prophecy, which we had seen in Jeremiah and Isaiah. Um, but he raised him up specifically for this cause. The Bible says in verse number 1 of chapter 1, Now in the first year of Cyrus king of Persia, the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, the prophet, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus king of Persia that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom. And he put it also in writing, saying, Thus saith Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord of heaven hath given me all the kingdoms of the earth. Now think of that. The Lord had, had given him, he made him a very powerful man. In the span of about 20 years, he, he, he conquered the, 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 the Roman, what would become the Roman Empire. He conquered that part of the world. And he, he became the world's leading power, this one man, Cyrus. Um, but the Lord, he, he recognizes, and, and the Scriptures tell us, that the Lord God, God Almighty, our God, Jehovah God, allowed him that authoritative position. Now, he was not a, a, a God-fearing, a biblical God-fearing man. Uh, he was a, a, a heathen man. Um, but but he recognized that God had given him power, given me all the kingdoms of the earth, verse number 2, and hath charged me, and this is what he, he charged me, to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is at Judah. And so he recognizes God has given him the power over the world, the known world at that time, but also that God had given him the responsibility to build a temple, to build God a house. And so he goes on to say, Who is there among you of all his people? His God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in Judah, and build the house of the Lord God of Israel. He is the God, which is in Jerusalem. And whosoever remaineth in any place where he sojourneth, let the men of his place help with the silver, and with the gold, and with the goods, and with the beasts, besides the free will offerings of the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And so what, what we see here is, is we see King Cyrus stirred by the Lord, making this kingly proclamation, this kingly decree with his seal on it, that the Jewish people, the children of Israel, the children of Judah and Benjamin, that which was taken into captivity before, would be given the opportunity to return to the promised land. So they had been taken, um, I guess, north northeast to, to Persia, uh, to Babylon, and now they're being let free to return back to the promised land. The land that had been promised to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob that had been given to the children of Israel uh, through the conquest of, of Joshua. 
Um, and so that is the land that God had promised His people. And so the children of Israel are to return. That, that's what's happening here. And so, but this, this brings us to chapter number two. It, we see that the rest of chapter number one deals with um, some of the things that are being given. Um, but this, this brings us to chapter number two. And chapter number two is a, is a very unique passage. If you look at it there in your Bibles, uh, I, I, I won't read all of it. Um, you'll notice that it is a, a, an extremely long list of names and numbers. And so it is, it is a, a, a head count of the children of Israel who had gone to captivity and were in Babylon and now by the decree of King Cyrus are able to return to Jerusalem. And so let's, let's just read the first two verses uh, by way of introduction tonight and then uh, try to draw a few things from the text. Now it says this in verse number 1 of chapter number 2. Now these are the children of the province which went up out of captivity of those which had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar the king of Babylon had carried away unto Babylon, and came again unto Jerusalem and Judah, every one into his city, which came with Zerubbabel, Jeshua, Nehemiah, Sariah, Reliah, Mordecai, Bilshan, Mizpar, Bigvi, Rehum, and Banna. And those are the first two verses that give us the leaders of the group, and they give us these words that the children, these are the children of the province that went up out of captivity. And so t tonight, with the Lord's help, I'd like to talk about the return of the remnant. Now, that's what this list is. This list that we are going to look at is a list of Israelites, of Jewish people who are the remnant, who remained. And so, but before we, we look at them, let's back up and, and understand a few things here. Um, specifically, notice this. It says this in chapter num verse number one again, that they went up out of captivity. Captivity. First of all, I think in this text, we see the picture of those who are captured. Those who are captured. It says that specifically that the scriptures tell us that they were, they came out of captivity of those that had been carried away, whom Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, had carried away unto Babylon. What we find here is we find a, a bit of history about the children of Israel. Why? We, we could ask the question, why are they leaving Babylon? Why were they in Babylon? That's, that's got to be asked. So we come to the book of Ezra. It's a, and I've mentioned this on Sunday. It's a, it's a, a unique book. It's, it's a book that is short, so we read over quickly, and often there's just a, two or three verses that get preached out of it. And so we don't, we don't necessarily understand the history around it that often. It's placed in the Bible, and uh, you, you've probably already figured this out, but the Old Testament is in a very unique order. So Ezra is, is almost in the middle of the Old Testament, but historically it should be at the end of the Old Testament. And so what's happening here is the children of Israel, uh, back, back over a hundred years ago, uh, were, were, well, hundreds of years ago, were told by God that if they kept God's commandments, He would bless them. This is what we see in the Torah, the, the first five books of the Bible. And if they didn't keep His commandments, then He would curse them. Well, guess what happened? They didn't keep His commandments partly because it's impossible to keep the law of God, right? The, the part of the law is to be a schoolmaster, the New Testament tells us, to teach us that we are imperfect. We cannot be perfect. That we need a Redeemer. 
And so this is part of what's happening here. And the children of Israel uh, very quickly find out that they're incapable of keeping the law of God. First of all, the, the, the kingdom is divided under the, the, the reign of, of, of Solomon, of Solomon's son, pardon. The, the, his, his children go different ways, and you've got a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. This is, this is what's happening. And the, the northern kingdom is corrupt from the onset and stays corrupt until about 700, in the 700s of, of BC, and, and, and they're taken into captivity, never to really be restored, the northern kingdom, uh, the ten tribes. But you've got this southern kingdom uh, with, with Judah and Benjamin and two tribes that, that follow the will of the Lord sometimes, but at other times begin to introduce in the world's gods and goddesses. And so eventually they too, uh, though, though many of the prophets, the Old Testament prophets came to them, Jeremiah, came to them, Isaiah, they came to them and said, you guys better get right, because God said if you aren't right with Him, He's going to curse you, right? Well, they don't. And so 606 B.C. comes around, and uh, if, if you'll turn with me to 2 Kings, uh, just a few books back, you'll find the history of what's happening here. Um, the children of Israel, did, uh, of Judah, pardon, did not get right with God. They continued in their sin. They continued, though they had great kings like Josiah and Hezekiah, they continued in their sin. And we see in, in 2 Kings chapter number 24 and verse number 10, it says this. And at that time, let me, let me go to verse number 8. Jehoiakim was 18 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned in Jerusalem three months, and his mother's name was Nehushta, the daughter of Elnathan of Jerusalem. And he did that which was evil in the sight of the Lord, according to all that his father had done. At that time, the servants of Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came up against Jerusalem, and the city was besieged. So this is 606 B.C., 600 years before Jesus Christ was on the earth. Uh, Nebuchadnezzar, this Babylonian king comes and attacks God's city, we could say, Jerusalem. Uh, he comes and attacks it. And what happens? And Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came against the city and his servants did besiege it. And Jehoiakim, the king of Judah, went out to the king of Babylon, he and his mother and his servants and his princes and his officers. And the king of Babylon took him in the eighth year of his reign and he carried out thence all, notice this, he carried out thence all the treasures of the house of the Lord and the treasures of the king's house and cut in pieces all the vessels of gold which Solomon, king of Israel, had made in the temple of the Lord as the Lord had said. And he carried away all of Jerusalem and all the princes and all the mighty men of valor, even 10,000 captives and all the craftsmen and smith. None remained except the poorest sort of the people of the land. And he carried away Jehoiakim to Babylon, and the king's mother and the king's wives and his officers and the mighty of the land. Those carried he into the captivity from Jerusalem to Babylon. And all the men of might, even 7,000, and craftsmen and smiths a thousand, all that were strong and apt for war, even the king of Babylon brought captive to Babylon. And the king of Babylon made Metaniah the, father, the father's brother king in his stead and changed his name to Zedekiah. What, what happens here in 606 B.C. is Nebuchadnezzar, this, this heathen Babylonian king, comes to Jerusalem and takes everyone who has any skills, any ability, any mind, any, uh, you know, and this is, this is where we see Daniel. You know the story of Daniel and his three friends. They're taken to Babylon, right? 
They're offered the king's meats. Why? Because Nebuchadnezzar had gone to Babylon. Why? Because God was punishing His people. He was punishing them for not following His will. And so He takes these people in 606 B.C. This is, this is the judgment of God upon these people. And so what happens? Well, time passes and things seem to be alright. All the smart people are gone and, and myself and whoever else is dumb, we're left in Jerusalem, right? And so, so what happens though? Uh, Eleven years pass. In chapter number 25, verse number 1, and it came to pass in the ninth year of his reign in the tenth month, in the tenth day of the month that Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came, he and all his hosts against Jerusalem and pitched against it. So a second time they come and they built forts against it round about. Why? Because, because the city was given, they, they were besieged once and God gave them a second chance. Eleven years, you'll find. Nine years and then eventually eleven years. That they didn't get right with God. You know, what, what a picture of our own lives. How patient is God with us? He comes and He knocks on our door and He chastens us and we feel the punishment and we know that God is dealing with us, yet we don't get right with Him year after year, week after week, day after day. We continue in our own sin. And it came to pass, right? And He pitched against it, verse number two, and the city was besieged unto the eleventh year of King Zedekiah. And on the ninth day of the fourth month, the famine prevailed in the city. And there was no bread for the people of the land. And the city was broken up. And all the men of war fled by night by the way of the gate between two walls, which is at the, the king's garden. Now the, the, the Chaldees were against the city round about. And the king went the way toward the plain. And the army of the Chaldees, Chaldees pursued after the king and overtook him in the plains of Jericho. And all his army were scattered from him. So they took the king and brought him to the king of Babylon unto Riblah, and they gave judgment upon him, and they slew the sons of Zedekiah before his eyes and put out the eyes of Zedekiah and bound him with fetters of brass and carried him to Babylon. This is the second uh, captivity. So you've got the first captivity. This is where you see Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, uh, along with uh, thousands of other very intelligent, crafted people, they go. That, that's the, the beginning of the 70 years, 606. 595, second captivity. And then finally, verse number 8, here comes the, the, the third captivity, the third besiegement. And in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which is the 19th year of King Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came Nebuzaradan, captain of the guard, a servant of the king of Babylon, unto Jerusalem, and he burnt the house of the Lord and the king's house and all the houses of Jerusalem, and every great man's house burnt he with fire, and all the army of the Chaldees that were with the captain of the guard break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. Now the rest of the people that were left in the city and the fugitives that fell away into the king of Babylon with the remnant of the multitude did Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carry away. And the captain of the guard left of the poor of the land to be vine dressers and husbandmen. And this is the final... Uh, the, the final attack, the final captivity. And the Bible tells us that God's city, the city of Jerusalem, and His temple, the place where God Almighty met with man, was destroyed. You imagine, you imagine what that would have been like for those Jewish people, for the children of Israel, for the people who thought that Jehovah God was their God. So the reality is, is they had already forsaken him long ago. He had continued to be faithful and patient with them, 
but they had forsaken Him a long time ago. And so what happened? God gave them Babylon. God gave them into the captivity of Babylon. Now, the thing about Babylon is when you read the Scriptures, you'll quickly find that Babylon is always a picture of the world. The, the captured people, the people of the children of Israel who are captured are the people who have given themselves to the world. They didn't want God's way. They didn't want what God had prepared for them. They wanted their way. They wanted what pleased them. And so they had already gone the way of Babylon. They had already begun to, to, to carve their own idols of stone. They had already begun to grow their own groves, the Scripture tells us, so that they could worship false gods. They had already said, Lord, I don't want Your way. I want My way. And they had gone after it. They had gone after the Babylonian way, the Assyrian way of living. The Assyrian way of life. Why? Because that's what they wanted. And the Bible tells us that God gave them over. You think of that. The, re- the reality is, is, is we live in a world today, and, and this, is, this is no surprise to you, we, and, and I've heard it, we, we live in Babylon. We live in a city that is given. We live in a, a, a country, in a world, a Western world, that is given over to man's way and not God's way. A, a, a lifestyle that uh, arounds us that is more about what pleases man. What satisfies the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes and the pride of life? What makes me happy? And the reality is, is God is giving us over. Look at our, look at our news. Watch, open the newspaper, watch the telly. Think about what's happening amongst the, the, the LGBTQIR plus movement. That is God giving us over to the flames of Babylon. Do you think about the, the abortion rates in this country? That is God giving our children over to the flames of Babylon, to the wicked world's way. And see, the reality is, is, is God was, was in charge of Jerusalem. He was the God of those people. He was the head of that people, right? He was supposed to be, nevertheless. But in Babylon, you know who rules? The prince of the power of the air. In the world that we live in today, the, the, the one who rules our world is Satan. And the, and the question is, is are you and I content to live in Babylon? Are we content here? Because see, what happens to the children of Israel is they get taken to Babylon and then things get pretty nice. It turns out that, that Nebuchadnezzar is happy to just add them to his his kingdom and, and they're able to have a little bit of property and they're able to build themselves houses and they're able to start to grow food. And some of them, I mean, you look at Daniel and Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego and they were welcomed into the king's palace and given the king's meat. Could you imagine every day having steak and lobster? Wow, like life is good in the king's palace, right? Life is good in Babylon. You can have whatever you want. Whatever pleasure satisfies your fancy, you can have it. And the reality is, is many today that call themselves Christian have gotten comfortable in Babylon. We've been taken out of Jerusalem and we've come to Babylon and we've gotten quite comfortable and content with the ease, with our lazy boy armchairs, watching telly, 
when the world around us is dying and going to hell. When our own, like, like, we worry a lot about going out, but what about our own souls? Some of us, our own souls are so dried and decrepit that, that you wouldn't know you were a Christian if we could see your soul. Because you don't spend time in the Word. You don't spend time in prayer. We don't spend time just seeing and savoring the God of the Bible. Sometimes we push you to go out in the streets, but you, you don't, you say, well, we need to make God known, but do you know Him? Because we're so comfortable in Babylon. The capture, the captivity. This is, this is the state that the children of Israel were in. They had Jerusalem. They had the promised land. The land flowing with milk and honey. The blessings of God. But they chose instead for the pleasures of this world. What about you? What do you prefer? Do you prefer the material pleasures of this world? Or the spiritual blessings of God? This is, this is the, 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 and I'm, I'm bringing us to a point because this is the question that the children of Israel in Babylon faced. They were given the opportunity now. It is 70 years after that first 606, first captivity. And in the book of Ezra, now they are confronted with the question from King Cyrus, right? Their, their Persian king. Will we go back to Jerusalem? where the temple is destroyed and the walls are taken down, or will we stay here comfortable in Babylon? And when presented with that question, we all have to ask ourselves, which one will we choose? Do we prefer the spiritual blessings, which, which might be broken down walls and a torn down temple, or do we prefer the Babylonian pleasures of this world? And, and let, let's be honest, the, the pleasures that you struggle with are different than what I struggle with. So you, you figure out what that pleasure is that you struggle with. Is it materialism? Is it food? Is it cars? Is it women? Is it men? Is it whatever that might be? Is it gossip? Will you, will you be satisfied with the filth of this world or do you want the spiritual blessings of God? That's what happens. This is, notice when, when King Cyrus makes this decree, he says, who will go? Who is there among all of you, of, among you of all his people? Out of the people of God, those who say that they are God's children, who of you is going to get serious about it and go back to your city and build the temple of God? That was King Cyrus, this heathen king says it. Who of you is going to go? And then chapter 2 is all about that. You say, well, it's a, it's a list of names and it numbers. It makes no sense. It, it, it is extremely important because it is a list of people who said, I want to go back to, and I want to be a part of the remnant and I want to return to God's way of life. I don't want to live in the world any longer. I don't want to live with the pleasures of Babylon any longer. I want to be serious about the things of God and I'm a, I want to be a part of that remnant. I, I, and I, you know, I, I don't mind to read a list of, of names. Sometimes we look at these and we think, why do we have to read through chapter two of Ezra to finish my Bible reading for the year? Because these are the people, 4,000, over 40,000, 40,000, uh, here, I got the number somewhere. It's in verse number 64. Verse number 64. The whole congregation to death together was 42,303 score. 
42,000 plus people said, I am serious about God's way of life. I don't want to live the way the world offers. I want to live the way that God has ordained me to live. Are we going to be people who are content in Babylon? Or are we going to be a part of that remnant? People who say, I don't, I don't want this world any longer. Like, I, I know it's appealing. I live here with you. I know that, that driving down Botley Road, well, we don't drive down Botley Road anymore, driving, uh, into Oxford some other way, you're going to see 30 advertisements of things that you want. Maybe it's a Pepsi. Maybe it's a new pair of trainers. Maybe it's a, a, a new movie. Whatever it is, all trying to draw you in to the world's way. But the question is, is do we want God's way or the world's way? And, and I want to be, I want to be when, when God says through King Cyrus, hey, do you want to go back to God's way? I want to be a part of that people who says, I will go. I will go. And we read it. The number of the men of the people of Israel, the children of Parosh, 2,172. The children of Shephatai, 372. The children of Ariah, 775. These are people who said, I am serious about God's work and I want to see the temple restored. Because I want to see the worship of the true and living God restored. I want to commune with Him again. I want to know Him. I want to see the cloud on the temple again. I want to know the, the, the priests going in and out and making sacrifices to God. Now, I know we, we the, the Bible says that God doesn't live in a temple made with hands. I know we're beyond that. And, and that's the Old Testament and the New Testament. Jesus has come. I understand that. But, but, but figuratively, you understand what I'm saying. And instead of worshiping the telly at night, why don't we get in our Bibles and worship the God who created us? Like, every single breath you take is a gift from God. Like, nothing you have, nothing is of your own strength or mine. Not a lick of it. But we take all that God gives us and we travel over to Babylon and we get comfortable. It's heartbreaking. And it's heartbreaking even as I, as I consider my own life. How many times I've left Jerusalem lying in waste and I've gone home to the pleasures of Babylon. This was the great problem here. And these are the people who said, I want to stand up. I want to go back. I know it ain't going to be easy. I, I know that I have a house here and I know that over there I, I might not even have a tent. I know that once I get there, I'm going to have to spend long hours building and laying bricks and making bricks and laying mortar. I know that, that it's not going to be easy, but I want God's way and not man's way. And this is the list of the people. 42,360. So you've got the captured, the people who are content to live in Babylon. You've got the remnant, the people who want to return, the people who are serious about it. And then you've got one more group of people. And I think that this is more bewildering than the people who are content to live in Babylon. You've got this one last group of people. And I think that this is the people, that, like, the, like let's be honest, the people who are content to come to, to live in Babylon, 
didn't come to church on a Wednesday night, did they? If, if they, if they want to be in Babylon, they didn't come on the midweek meeting, okay? So, so, let's, let's see, who is this third group? Now this, this, this is the one that strikes right at the heart. And, um, let's read it. Verse number 59. Right at the end of the list of the people, we find this one last list. Verse number 59 to verse 63 of chapter number two. And these were they which went up from Telmela, Telharsa, Cherub, Aden, and Immer. But they could not show their father's house and their seed, whether they were of Israel and the children of Deliah, the children of Tobiah, the children of Nicoida, 652, and of the children of the priests and the children of Habiah, the children of Kaz, the children of Barzillai, which took a wife of the daughters of Barzillai, the Gileadite, and was called after the name. These sought their register among those that were reckoned by genealogy, but they were not found. Therefore were they as polluted, put from the priesthood. And the Tarshatha said unto them, that they should not eat of the most holy things till there stood up a priest with Urim and with Thummim. Who, who are these people? These people were those who were polluted. These were people who were the self-deceived. They thought that they were a part of the children of God. But when it came down to it, they had no proof. There was no evidence. They did not have the right father. And the reality is, is there are people, hopefully not here tonight, but there are people who come to church, who attend services, who maybe go out witnessing, who say, I'm a part of God's people. But in reality, they do not have the right father. They are not a part of God's family. And the Bible says they are polluted. You know, they're self-deceased. These people really thought that they could make it. And, and, and you can imagine them there amongst the, amongst the register looking at the genealogies in verse number 62 saying, I'm, I'm sure my name is in there. I'm sure my father's name is in there. I'm sure there, there's evidence that I'm, I'm a child of the God, the one true God. But the reality is, is they were not. They were self-deceived. They were Babylonians. And, and the, the truth is, is, is you, you, and you know the application. We can dress the part. We can look the part. We can hang out with the true children of God. But if we are not a part of God's kingdom, if God is not our Father, if your Father is, is, is the deceitful uh, prince of this air, Satan, and God, Jesus Christ, is not your Savior and God the Father is not your King of kings and Lord of lords, then you're lost. You're lost. And you're like these people. They were not found. It reminds me of that, that verse in Matthew 7 where, where, where God will one day say, depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I, I never knew you. The, the question has to be, and, and it, it requires us some soul searching. Where, where we say, am I a child of the one true king? Am I a child of God? Or am I self-deceived? Have I convinced myself that I'm a part of His family? 
even though the evidence is not there. What is the evidence? The fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering. Do you have those fruit? They're, they're not fruit that, they're not necessarily, oh, I, I led somebody to the Lord. It's not that kind of a fruit. It's the evidence of the Spirit in your life. It's, it's the fruit that He is bringing forth. Are they in your life? And, and, and that's, that's it. Are you a part of His kingdom? Are you a true child of God tonight? Or, or are you still living in Babylon? Are you a Babylonian? Are you a part of this world? And I'll leave it there. I, 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 I think the biggest thing that captures me about this is these were the people, these are the names. Thousands of them, no doubt, but, but considering the, the size of, of Babylon, it wasn't that many. But these are the people who said, I don't want to live in Babylon any longer. I want to go back and worship the one true God. And that, that's the question I leave you with tonight. Because this is the Wednesday night crowd. The, the, the people who, who I think are serious, that hopefully, about the things of God. Are you, are you willing to say, I am not content with this world? Then let us leave it behind. And that's hard. That's hard. I get it. But let's leave it behind and worship the one true God. Work at it. Labor at it. Minutes of the day, fight for them. Fight, fight. You, you know, when, when you're tempted to pick up the remote and sit down and watch the telly, fight for it. Say, I'm going to pick up the Word of God instead. When you're, when you're tempted to scroll on your phone, you say, oh, we're holy, we don't have a television. And you sit for hours scrolling on your phone. Fight for it. Fight. Say, I don't want Babylon. I want to be a part of that remnant who is serious, who is really serious about the things of God. Because if, if, if we're going to get close to God, we're going to have to work at it. And so let's do it. Let's be a part of this remnant. The offer is there. It is God has offered Himself to us in His Son. So let's get it. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, we thank Thee tonight for this list of names and how little it does mean sometimes at first glance to us. We, we look and we see all these names that we can barely pronounce and all these numbers and how little it seems to mean, Lord, but may we be a part of that number. I think that song, Oh Lord, I want to be in that number. When the saints go marching in, Lord, let us march for Thee now. Let us fight for Thee, Lord. We want to be a part of those people, that remnant, that remnant that's been left here in Oxford, that's been left in Oxfordshire to labor and to fight and to rage war and to, to set up the temple and to set up the walls, Lord. Let us be people who, who are part of Thy kingdom, Lord. Let us be serious about it. If there are people tonight who are still stuck in Babylon, Lord, I pray that Thou would save their souls. Draw them unto Thyself. And please be glorified in that, we pray. In Jesus Christ's name, Amen.